Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Tonight I want to share a message that I've had in my notebook uh, for, a, for a little while, for a couple of weeks anyway, and it's a it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It's a simple observation that I made recently while I was reading through uh, the miscellaneous thoughts and the final instructions that Paul gives to the Corinthians in, in this first letter. You know, toward the end of Paul's letters, most of his letters anyway, he gives some, uh, some like final greetings to the folks or he throws in some miscellaneous thoughts or uh, some final instructions that he just kind of throws in at the end of his epistles. And so when I was reading through 1 Corinthians recently, this final chapter, I made an observation that I just jotted down in, in my sermon notebook to share with you when I had the opportunity to do so. And because sometimes buried in these uh, what we might call postscripts in his epistles, Paul includes some some nuggets of truth, some things that are very beneficial to us when we, when we explore them. And so I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 5. Well, we're going to read verses 5 through down through about verse uh, number 14, okay? And so Paul says here, I will visit you, saying to the Corinthians, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you um, or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus <clears throat> excuse me, until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes... See that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Verse 12, now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these, your words, God. We pray that you would use them tonight to speak to our hearts, God, to reveal truth to us, God. Speak into our hearts, God, that word that you have for each and every one of us. God, a word of encouragement, maybe a word of reproof, Lord, a word of instruction. Have your way, God. Reveal your will to us and give us, Lord, the willingness not only to hear your word, to hear your voice, but to obey your word, to be doers of the word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, verse 12, verse 12 is what caught my attention on when I was reading through this chapter uh, again recently because verse number 12 contains a curious uh, statement. In it, Paul says that he, that he, Paul, that he had strongly urged Apollos to visit 
the Corinthians. Paul says, I'm, I hope to come to you. I'm going to come to you after I pass through Macedonia. And uh, then he says that he had strongly urged Apollos to visit the Corinthians. But you notice it says, but it was not at all his will to come now. Now the question is, um, whose, whose will is Paul talking about there? Uh, whose will was it not to come to the Corinthians uh, at that time? The way that the translation reads, it implies that Paul is referring to Apollos, that it was not Apollos's will for him to go to the Corinthians uh, at that time. However, a variant reading, in fact, your Bible may reference this in the footnotes if it includes it in the footnotes, uh, a variant reading of this is that Paul is referring to God's will, that it was not God's will that Apollos would go to the Corinthians at that time. So in other words, Paul urged Apollos to go to Corinth, but it was not God's will for Apollos to go to the Corinthians. How many knows it's one thing uh, to refuse to do something because it's not our will to do it? It's one thing to say, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to do that, because it's not my will uh, to do that. That's the way that the verse naturally reads, that it wasn't Apollos's will. It was not his will to do that, so he didn't go to Corinth. It's one thing to refuse to do something because it's not our will to do it. How many knows it's something else? Uh, it's another thing to refuse to do something because it's not God's will uh, to do that. Or to put it differently, to put it in, uh, in a positive way, it's one thing to do something because it's our will to do it. We make up our mind. We decide we're going to do something. So it's our will. We're going to do it because it's our will. How many knows it's, it's something different? We do something because it's God's will for us to do that. Or we don't do something because it's not God's will for us uh, to do that. Uh, we, all, we all want to do God's will. When I'm talking to you as a Wednesday night crowd, you're all God's folks. If you're God's child, then your desire is you want to do what God wants you to do. Amen? So we all want to do God's will uh, in our life. But how many know sometimes it's difficult? Sometimes it's difficult to know what God's will is. And then sometimes it's difficult once you know what God's will is. Sometimes it's difficult to do what God is asking uh, you to do. Have you, ever, have you ever wanted to do something, uh, but you knew that it was not God's will for you to do that? I mean, in, in other words, your flesh wanted to go in a direction. Your flesh wanted to do a certain thing, even though you knew it, this is not God's will. God doesn't want me to do this, but I want to. We've all felt that pull before, haven't we? The pull of our flesh the pull of our own ambition, I want to do this, I want to accomplish this, I want to go in this direction, even though we know it's not God's will for us to do that. Or the other side of the equation, have you ever known uh, what God's will is, but you didn't want to do God's will because it was hard or it was difficult or it was something that didn't conform to what you wanted to do? Paul talks about that struggle 
to an extent, anyway, he talks about that struggle in Romans chapter 7. You remember in Romans chapter 7, he says, the good that I want to do, I do not do it. What is he talking about? He said, There's, I want to do God's will, but the good that I want to do, which is God's will, I don't, I don't do it because of my own flesh, the own, my own desires pulling in the wrong direction. On the other hand, Paul says, the bad things that I don't want to do because I know that they're not God's will, the bad things that I don't want to do, I end up doing the things that I don't want to do, uh, even, even though I know that it's um, not God's will for me to do it. So knowing God's will, that is distinguishing your own will from God's will, how many knows that can sometimes be difficult? And, and sometimes doing God's will is also difficult. Um, and it was difficult even for Paul. Difficult even for Paul. The indication here is um, that Paul, as an apostle, that Paul didn't know what God's will for Apollos was. Do you see that? Paul said, I urged Apollos to go to Corinth, but it wasn't, it wasn't his will. It wasn't either it wasn't Apollos' will or it wasn't God's will for Apollos to go to Corinth. So the indication here is that even Paul didn't know what was best for Apollos, and we'll say more about that in just a little while. And, and in fact, Paul even had some difficulty knowing and doing God's will for himself. Look at verses 5 through 9, and let's read those again. Um, and I want to emphasize some of what Paul says here because Paul's talking about what he's going to do. He himself, he said, I urge Apollos to go to Corinth, but it wasn't his will to do that. But let's look at verses 5 through 9 where Paul talks about what he himself is going to do. So in verse 5 he says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you, or even, what he's saying is, and, and maybe even spend the winter with you. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure about that. But maybe even spend the winter with you so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I don't want to see you now just in passing. I, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened it to me, and there are many adversaries. Do you see that God's will, even for the Apostle Paul, God's will was a mixture of certainty. I will do this. I know that I'm going to do this because God has revealed this to me. So it's a, a mixture of certainty and hope. I hope to be able to spend some time with you it's a mixture of God-inspired ideas, right? I intend to pass through Macedonia because that's, he knew that that was God's direction. God-inspired ideas, man-made plans, and even some good intentions that are thrown in beside, besides that. Paul is, saying, Paul is saying God's will is a mixture of the things that I know that God has told me to do the things that I intend to do, the things that I hope to be able uh, to do, 
if the Lord permits me to be able uh, to do that. So God's will is a mixture of, of all of those things, the things that we know God has told us to do, the certainty that we have in our hearts about what God has said to us, uh, the good intentions that we have to do if we have the opportunity to do them, the ideas that God has inspired. I want to do this. I intend to be able to do this. And even our hopes and our dreams. I hope to be able to accomplish this if the Lord permits me. So God's will is a, is a mixture sometimes. Of, uh, and here's the, here's the point. Uh, we want God's will uh, to be concrete, don't we? But how many knows that sometimes God's will is more complicated than that? It's more, at least, our ability to discern God's will, know God's direction, and our ability to do God's will. It's, it's complicated, and that's why, that's why we don't always get it right, do we? We don't always get it right. In fact, there are several factors in this passage that, make, that sometimes can make God's will, knowing God's will, doing God's will uh, that can make it complicated. And I just want to list those um, before I come to a conclusion and we pray, okay? Several factors that can, can sometimes make knowing and doing God's will complicated. Factor number one is others. Other people can sometimes make God's will, uh, knowing God's will, doing God's will for yourself, it can sometimes make it complicated. Now, there will always be those that are willing to tell you what you ought to do and what you ought not to do. How many know somebody like that? How many sitting there? No, I'm not going to say that. There's always somebody who's willing to tell you what you ought to do or what you ought not uh, to do. And one thing that this passage makes very clear is that we cannot... We cannot rely on someone else to tell us what God's will is for us. We cannot, cannot really, even the Apostle Paul couldn't tell Apollos what God's will for him uh, was. In fact, I mean, can you imagine saying, can you imagine saying no to the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine the Apostle Paul coming to you and saying to you, now, Apollos, David, uh, Phyllis, I want to str strongly urge you, you need to go to Corinth, and you need to visit the church in Corinth. And can you imagine looking at the Apostle Paul and saying, no. Not, I don't know about you, but I just find that, I, I would find that hard, difficult to be able uh, to do. But this passage bears out that even the Apostle Paul didn't know God's best, God's will for Apollos. You can't rely on someone else to tell you what God's will for you is. You, you have to hear that from God yourself. Amen? So you can't rely on somebody, somebody else. I've, I've, how many of you, you've had to say no before to somebody that was important or special to you? I've had to say no to my father uh, before had to say no to my mother before. I've had to say, I've had to say no to several uh, important, powerful people in my life. And, and I've had to say that because I knew that what they were telling me was not what God wanted for, for me. And that's hard. I never had to say no to my wife, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so sometimes you have to say 
sometimes you have to say no to other people, uh, even, even if they're well-intentioned, even if they mean well, right? E- even if they want what's best for you, because no one else can tell you what God's will for you is. Now, they can confirm what God's will for you uh, is. In fact, um, you know, the people that I've had to say no to in my life, it's not that they were not that they were telling me something that was bad for me. It's not that they were telling me something that was wrong in my life. I just knew that it wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't the best that God had for me. Um, so I've had to say no to some important people in my life, but, you know, it seems to me that it would take a whole other level of godly guts <laughs> to look at the apostle Paul and say, no, I'm not going to take your advice because that's not... Uh, that's not what God is telling me to do. I remember hearing a story about Charles Greenaway uh, when he was on the missions, I don't know if they call it board, but he was a missions director in the Assemblies of God, and he was interviewing a, a young missionary that had been called to go to a specific place, and I forget the place where he was called to go. And Charles Greenaway was a very flamboyant, strong personality in the Assemblies of God. And this young missionary came in, sat down, and Charles Greenway said, I've got a headache. He turned, had the lights down in his office. He had a headache. He told him, he said, I have a headache, so I don't have much time. He said, where is it that you want to go? And the missionary told him where he was going to go. And Charles Greenway said, no. He said, he said we're not going to approve you to go there. He said, we need a missionary. And he gave him another field. He said, we need, he said if you'll go there, we'll approve you, and you can go there. And the young missionary said, he said, respectfully, sir, he said, God didn't call me there. He said, I've been called to this other uh, field. And Charles Greenaway um, slammed his fist on the desk and said, bam, he said, I'm telling you. He said, we need a missionary to go here, not there. And will you go here? And the missionary said, sir, he said, God didn't call me to go there. God called me to go over here. He said, Charles Greenaway took the piece of paper and he said, that's all I needed to know. He said, you're approved and you can go. (laughs) Sometimes you have to say no because you know what God has told you to do and where God has has sent you. So others can sometimes, listen now, when we're making decisions about God's will for our life, we need, how many knows, I'm not saying we don't need input from other individuals. When we're making those decisions, we need the collective wisdom. We need the godly advice that we can get from from other people, people who care about us, people who want us to succeed, people who have our best interest at heart. So we need their counsel. We need their advice. But we have to be careful because we cannot assume that they are speaking for God to us. We have to hear from God And we have to know what God is telling us to do. Others can help us do God's will. Amen. Paul makes that clear, in fact, in this passage. Paul mentions uh, to the Corinthians, he says, I will visit you after I pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I'll stay with you, maybe even spend the winter with you, so that you may help me on my journey. Simon knows others are important. They can help us to fulfill God's will, do God's will, 
uh, in our life. Furthermore, he says that when Timothy comes to them, he says, when Timothy comes to you, he says, put him at ease and help him on his way. How many of us, we ought to help other people do God's will. And other people can help us accomplish uh, God's will. People that love us, people that, uh, people that we trust, their advice, they can be a great blessing to us as we try to understand and obey God's will. And we ought to encourage others as they are doing God's will. But people can also hinder us from doing God's will if we value their opinion or their approval more than we value God's approval and God's will in our life. We have to know that we've heard from God. Others can help us do God's will, but we, have, we cannot allow them to hinder us from doing God's will. So others, other people can sometimes make knowing and doing God's will complicated if we listen to their voices and they distract us from what we know God has told us to do. Second variable that sometimes can make knowing doing God's will um, difficult, complicated, let's say complicated, are, are the opportunities that are around us. God... God often reveals his will in our life through opportunities that are available to us. Opportunities appear to us as um, God opening some doors, closing other doors. God, uh, God led the Apostle Paul very often. We, we went through the book of Acts and we saw examples of how God led the Apostle Paul through opportunities. One door would close, and so he would turn and go in another direction, and God would open up another door. And so God often leads us in his will through opportunities in our life. And that's why Paul says, I intend to pass through Macedonia. So Paul said, I've got that much figured out. I'm going through Macedonia. And then he says, and perhaps I'll stay with you. Maybe I'll even spend the winter because uh, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, if the opportunity arises and, and, and if it coincides with what I know God has told me to do and the opportunity is available, then I'm going to take the opportunity. In other words, Paul is saying, I know that I'm going to pass through Macedonia because God has revealed that much to me. I intend to pass through Macedonia and I hope that I'll be able to spend some time with you if the Lord provides the opportunity for me to do that uh, after I pass through Macedonia. Opportunities that present themselves in the course of our obedience to God can be important indicators of God's will for our life. So in other words, when we're, when we're walking in obedience to what God, we know God has told us to do. When we're walking in obedience and an opportunity opens before us, how many knows that can be an important indicator of what God's will for your life is? This is an opportunity that God is opening up to you. That's why Paul says, I know that I'm going to stay in Ephesus because how did he know that? He said, because a wide door for effective work has opened it to me. So Paul said, God has confirmed his will right now for me is to stay in Ephesus because this opportunity has opened up to me. I'm walking in obedience. This opportunity has opened up to me, and it's a confirmation that this is God's will uh, for my life. The opportunity in Ephesus was a confirmation 
of God's will uh, in his life. However, opportunities can also be distractions. Apollos refused to go to Corinth because he knew it was not God's will. And yet Paul says, Apollos will come when he has an opportunity uh, to do that. In other words, he means when Apollos has an opportunity that coincides with the direction that God has given to him, um, he'll come to Corinth. He cannot come right now because the direction that God has him going is in a different direction, and so it's not convenient. It would not be a good thing for him to leave the direction that he's on to go to Corinth. However, when his direction changes, God leads him in a different direction, and the opportunity presents itself for him to go to Corinth, and he will, he will do that. He cannot come now because that would, that would take him away from where God wants him or what God wants him to be doing. But when Corinth becomes an opportunity that is convenient to the direction, uh, the course of obedience that he is on, then he will come. Uh, I, the best way to illustrate this, in my thinking anyway, was, you, you know, we were out of town this, this weekend. We went up to Virginia. And um, whenever we're traveling, I used to have to strike bargains with my kids uh, because, you know, some of them like to eat at one location and some of them like to eat at a different location. So Abby likes McDonald's. Uh, the boys don't like McDonald's. She loves McDonald's. And so I said to her on the way up there, I said, if we'll stop and if we'll eat at Chick-fil-A uh, today, this was on, that was Saturday, uh, will you agree that we can eat at Chick-fil-A today if tomorrow we eat at McDonald's? And so reluctantly, she agreed to those terms. All right, I'll stop. I'll eat at Chick-fil-A if we can eat at McDonald's tomorrow. So then on Sunday when we're traveling up uh, to see my dad, we're passing. So I'm looking for a McDonald's. You know, those signs that you pass on the interstate, watching for a McDonald's. We're going to stop at McDonald's. Don't worry. I, we're looking for a McDonald's. And so we finally see a sign that's McDonald's. I said, okay, we're going to stop at this McDonald's. And I pull off. And it got down, uh, got down to the end of the exit, and then it showed the sign of McDonald's, and it said 2.6 miles to McDonald's. I'm like, I think, I think they ought to put that on the signs on the interstate, don't you? <laughs> and so we had to go three miles, well, totally, you know, about six miles out of our way to go to McDonald's and then get back on the interstate. How many of those? That was not a convenient stop. That was a detour. That was a distraction. <laughs> and so that's the best way I can explain it is that sometimes opportunities that are distractions. If you're going in one direction and an opportunity presents itself when you're walking in obedience, then that might be confirmation. Hey, this is God's will. God, this is an opportunity that God is giving me to do his will. But if, but if, the, if the opportunity takes you off course, for where you're going, you know where God is sending you, told you to do, and it's, it's going to take a detour and make you go somewhere that God hadn't called you to go, to do something God hadn't called you to do. How many knows that opportunity is a distraction because it's going to take you off course? And so opportunities are that way. Sometimes they can be wonderful confirmations of what God's will for our life is when we're walking in obedience to him. 
when we're doing what we know God has called us to do, when we're serving where, where we know God has called us to serve, when we're in the field where we know God has placed us and the opportunity arises, then, hey, it's a confirmation. This is God's will. But if you're doing what you know God has told you to do and an opportunity arises, it's going to take you away from doing what you know God has called you to do. How I many knows that's a distraction? That's not an opportunity. That's a, that's a distraction. So if an opportunity takes you away from what God has called you to do or keeps you from doing what God wants you to be doing, it's a distraction. So opportunities can make it complicated to know uh, God's will and to do God's will. And then there's a a final one, and I won't say much about this because it speaks for itself. Paul says, I know that I'm going to stay in Ephesus because a wide door for effective ministry has opened to me. And in verse number nine, and there are many adversaries. The final variable is opposition. Opposition sometimes makes it difficult to know and to do God's will because none of us like opposition, do we? We want it to be smooth sailing. We, we, want it, we, want, we want to do God's will. We've established that, amen. But, but we want to do it, and we want it to be easy, don't we? God, I want to do what you want me to do, but God, I just, I want it to be easy. How many knows it's not always easy? That in fact, if we're going to live for the Lord, the Bible says there will be adversity. There will be trials. And there will be trouble. Sometimes, unfortunately, we allow opposition to prevent us from doing what we know God has called us uh, to do. But if we're going to serve the Lord, there will be opposition. And we, we need to just prepare for it, understand that we're going to face it, and that with God's help, we will get, get through it. Amen? So there's no substitute for knowing God's will for your life. Apollos had to know that he knew, that he knew, that he knew what God had told him to do so that he could, he could say no to the apostle Paul. There's no substitute for hearing God's voice, knowing God's will, and walking in obedience uh, to God's will. So let's return to the Original question, whose will are we talking about? Well, the verse says his will, which we've established could mean Apollos' will, or it could have meant, could mean God's will. Here's what I believe. I believe that it meant God's will and Apollos' will, because I believe that God and Apollos or Apollos and God, whichever order you want to put it, on, put it in, I believe that God and Apollos were on the same page. God's will was Apollos' will because he had heard from God. He knew what God's will was. And so he said, God, I want to do your will. I want my will to be your will. I want your will to be my will. And that's what we want, amen? We want, we want his will to be our will. I want his will to be my will. I don't want there to be any separation there. I want to know God's will. And, and I want to do God's will to the, to the best of my ability. 
So Paul gives us, and let me just end with this. Paul gives us in verses number 13 and 14, he gives us some quick advice, I think, about how to, how to know God's will, how to, how to do God's will. He gives us some very quick um, advice in verses 13 number, uh, and 14. Number thir- verse 13, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Verse 14, and let all that you do be done in love. I think if we will follow Paul's advice there, It'd be easier for us to stay focused on knowing and doing God's will for our life. Amen. Number one, be watchful. Look around and ask yourself, what, what is God doing? What is, what is God saying? Where is God leading me? So watch, watch for the, when you're walking in obedience to him, watch for the opportunities that God opens before you. Be, so Paul is saying, be watchful. How do you discern God's will? By watching and seeing where he is moving, where he is leading, what he is doing in our lives. Number two, stand firm. Don't be distracted. Don't, don't turn aside to every distraction. Don't run after different things. Stand firm. Don't be misled. Don't, uh, don't be moved by what somebody else might say to you when they say, well, I think you ought to do this, and here's what you ought to be doing. Stand firm. Don't be moved. Number three, act, Paul says, act like men. Ladies, I think he's just meaning be mature, be grown up um, about this. Be wise and discerning. And then was that number four, be strong. Know that you're going to face opposition. Know that the devil's going to bring adversity against you. So endure hardship, endure adversity, and then most importantly of all, and let all that you do be done in love. How many knows anything else you do if it's not done in love? Paul says it doesn't matter anyway, right? He says you can offer your body to be burned. You can speak with the tongues of men and angels. You can prophesy. You can do all of that stuff, and it is not done in love. How many knows it doesn't matter anyway? Amen. I want, I want his will to be my will. I, I want to follow God. I want to do what God has called me to do. I want to be obedient to him. I want to serve him to the best uh, of my ability. I don't, I don't want there to be much room, daylight, between what his will is and what my will. I want my will to be conformed to what his will form. And, and that's a lot of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks when we were talking about prayer, that one of the most important things about prayer is not is not convincing God to do things our way. Remember, we've talked about that. But it's, but it's convincing ourselves that God's way is best. Bringing our own will into submission to what God's will for us is. And so, uh, thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.